You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. I'm body organ. Rearranger. You feel my Live from Podcast Detroit and Rock in Royal Oak, Michigan. It's time to take a leap of faith with Jackie, Rocky, Nora, and Gina for some entertainment and inspiration. Join them every Wednesday at noon. You can always find us at podcastdetroit.com. I gotta ask, what were you born to do? What time is it? It's nooner time. Somebody bring me a mirror. Oh, happy hump day! Happy hey, birthday! Hey, happy day! Hey. Hey. It's beautiful out. Are you guys wearing nobody? No, nobody here. I have on a little green. What? Yeah, I have on some green. So I have on some green. I have on green earrings. I have on a green green in my oh, necklace. Cool. I had another shirt on that was green, and I got a little warm. I've, I'm of a certain age where, you know, no, sometimes you get a little hot, warm. Gina. You're just hot. That's what you're supposed to say. You're just hot. That's, that's, it. that's it. And so, um, yeah, I got a little warm, so I had to go with something a little more sheer, so I didn't spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have some green beer, um, yeah, and, and as you. I don't, and as you know, I don't drink beer. Uh So now it's like um, an opaque green now or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's fermenting. fermenting. You're trying to age the beer. (laughs) Do you know that in the history of St. Patrick's Day, a St. Patrick's Day celebration many, you know, a gazillion years ago, it was originally considered a dry holiday? No Mm. way. Wow. (laughs) Who changed it? Was it the Wallaces? Who changed it? Probably the Wallaces and Guinness. No, if it were the Wallaces, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be wine. Yeah, but still, you can have green wine. You know I, I'm sure they know how to do it. You know what I thought was cute, though? They, um, you know, they canceled all the festivities in Chicago. And then overnight, they they, they, they weren't going to dye the river. And then overnight, they surprised. They so did they, it. They'll oh, dye the river. Oh, it's fun. You know, that's so sweet that they they surprise their community like that. I thought that when you awesome. when you said that, Rocky, I was just going to say they're not going to die the river. <laughs> well, that's, they said they're yeah. canceling the festivities, so that's a big you yeah. know, day in Chicago is like one of the biggest mm-hmm. parts of the country. And um, they said we're canceling all the festivities. We're not going to die the river. And then everyone woke up. They morning. died the river. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's nice. You know, the oldest parade in history, St. Patrick's Day Parade, is New York City. It goes back to like seven, 1762, I think it is. Wow. Wow. I'm kidding. That's okay. cool. 
remember, did you guys, I mean, did you guys go down to Detroit a year ago on St. Patty's Day and celebrate and do the whole bar thing at six in the morning? I know. Uh, no. no, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I really never. <laughs> I've never done that. I've, I've been to the Detroit, the Detroit St. Patrick's Day parade. Oh, okay. I didn't even know they did a parade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been to Detroit St. Patrick's Day parade, but no, mm, bars, no. 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 Um, no. Well, do you guys believe in luck? Let's talk about luck. Um, yes. Seven is my lucky number. Wait, what is? Seven. It is? Why yes. is it your lucky number? Because seven is the lucky number. <laughs> All right. 11, 11 is. is my lucky number. Okay. 11, 11. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you believe in luck as far as like when good things happen to you? Is it because of luck? No, I don't believe that. I like to believe in it. You do? Yeah, I, don't. I don't know. I think I, no, don't, I don't believe I it that far. My things in my head, but I think I'd like to believe in it. Yeah. Okay. You know, like okay. there's like, there are some things I feel like you can't explain. And I think that's a nice. I don't know. Yeah, I believe luck. that. Yeah. Okay. I don't believe that people are more or less lucky than other people. Oh, you don't? No, I don't believe okay. that like I'm a luckier person. Okay. I just do believe in luck. Like, you know, yeah. Like I believe that there's luck. like divine okay. intervention. Different than miracles. I would say they're one of the same in my head. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But see, but see, divine intervention wouldn't be luck. That would be divine intervention. Yeah, but yeah. I think they're yeah. one and the same. I don't know. My head are like, <laughs> wrapped up in one little pretty bow. Like... <laughs> oh. so, so, okay. I believe that I'm always lucky to be on a plane with a complaining <laughs> person right behind oh, me. No. Or in front of me. They're always in the... luck or bad luck. <laughs> right. That is bad luck. Okay. Yeah, so, on my part. Well, Nora, so, so Nori last or over the weekend sends me a picture of her somewhere beautiful. I said, Oh, I'm thinking it's an old picture. She goes, No, I'm I'm in Arizona. I'm like, right now you're in Arizona. We have a show on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I'll be home. I'll be home. I'm like, okay. Just so so then Jackie, so I get to the airport early, you know, and I'm in Tucson. Um so I get on the plane, I'm going to Dallas. And then to Detroit. So I get on the plane in Dallas to come to Detroit. Plane's packed. So it takes forever to get on. You finally are on. Everybody's in their seat. I have this couple behind me. And they're asking the other guy if the girl can sit. He's like, can my girl sit with me? And blah, blah, blah. So he was nice enough to move and let let them sit together. So the flight attendant is trying to find out. Um because they're doing all this before the plane takes off and everything. So she needs the guys trying to find his seat. And so there's confusion. So she asked for their um, ticket. They give him the ticket and then they're behind me. So some kind of way, I guess when she gave the tickets back to them, the girl goes, she threw the tickets at me. And, you know, like I was a dog. And I, I mean, she just like went off mm-hmm. and loud. She started threatening the lady and everything. Oh, so right. then the flight attendant came back and apologized and said I dropped the tickets I didn't mean if you thought that you know I apologize she was very you know nice about it but of course she I guess wanted to be the center of attention or thought she was really doing something so shortly after that um 
the flight attendant comes, another one comes over and she leans over and she says, the pilot, the captain would like to speak to you. So she gets up and she walks down the aisle like she owns the play, right? And I, all the time I'm thinking to myself, because I almost turned around and said, you better shut up. They're going to put you off the plane. <laughs> but she was so animated and, and going on. I was like, nope, I'm not getting in it. Sometimes people have to learn, right? Yeah. So she's up there and, and everybody's like looking and, you know, and whatever. So then the flight attendant comes back and she leans over with the boyfriend and she says, uh, she's not going to be on this flight. Are you with her? <laughs> and he, 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 she goes, um, I can help you with, with the things with, you know, if you need help come, you know, and they put them off. So, and we're all like, duh. So my question is, why do you think that right. when you get on a plane right, and you, that you have the control. That's what I don't understand. You you know, it, you know it's people like, are like that anywhere they go. Yeah. I feel like there's some yeah. sort of ego. Yeah. Where but still, if I'm trying to get yeah. home, my I would check my ego. <laughs> I'm trying to get home. And you and you know on a plane, they, you know on a plane it's no nonsense. Like they're not exactly. around. Exactly. And yeah. she th- she threatened the flight attendant. Everybody yeah, heard like, it. Like as they should. They should not. Like that's one place I don't want anyone to be messing around. Right. You know right. I mean? And you know the the traveler. captain's the captain is in charge of the whole crew. Yeah. So I'm sure he was like, oh, that's not, I'm not having anybody on here that's going to threaten my crew, you know? And that was the end of that. So after that, we lost our place in in line on the runway. So we were 15 planes behind. Oh my God. 20, and this took about 30 minutes. So 20 more minutes, which took like 40. So I didn't get home until it was after 11. Then I had to drive here. So I didn't get here until it was like two o'clock in the morning or oh something like that. God. And then, you know, you have to kind of wind down because I couldn't believe that all of that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're lucky I'm here, ladies. <laughs> you think, you think alcohol was involved in some of her, her uh, demeanor? No, no, no. She oh. just thought she just thought she was in charge and she got, mm-hmm. you know, they showed her who was in charge. That's all it was. And people need to learn, just keep your head down. Don't make eye contact. Yeah. Follow the. It is not that hard. Right. Yeah. It really isn't. I'm but, but I, 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 I didn't say. Uh, go ahead and take off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, you know, no. And then we had a lock change by the time we got yeah. home. <laughs> but, but this is the funny thing. When she started, he was like, "Just calm down. Just chill. Just chill." And she was like, "No, no. I'm gonna. Where's the supervisor and all this?" So then before she got all the way done, he was joining her. He wasn't threatening the, the flight attendant or anything, but he was right in it with her. So he, she brought she brought him along. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. He may be scared of her. Nora, but, that's all bad luck for you. That <laughs> right. That's what I said. That's what well, I said. Listen, yeah. uh, a year ago, yesterday, was the first day of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. I know. I know it's so weird. Doesn't it's been it, the longest two weeks of our whole lives. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does not seem. It seems like it's been longer. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I just can't believe it. Well, but we've come a long way. So yeah, yep, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Well, we have a great show today, um, and we have somebody on who has made great use 
of their lockdown time. By <laughs> so let's get going. <laughs> yes, I got this. Lady. <laughs> <laughs> this segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. We have a guest this week that puts us all to shame with the list of jobs <laughs> and things that she does. She is an artist, a therapist, a singer, and a songwriter, just to name a few of the jobs. I'm sure there's more, but I'm, you know, hitting the highlights. She's a therapist at Mariner's Inn Treatment Center and Shelter in Detroit, also the Greater Impact House in Detroit, and the co-founder of the Solstice Healing Arts Collective which is a group of passionate art, uh, passionate therapists and artists committed to providing creative art therapy. That's just the start of the list. Mm-hmm. Carrie Ann has just um, is currently working on her debut album with Greater Alexander, an accomplished Detroit musician. So please welcome Carrie Ann as she shares how she uses art to create, to heal, and to grow. Just a few of the things this Wonder Woman does. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Guys. Well, I wasn't nervous, but now I feel a little nervous. <laughs> that. Uh, relax. You can't read the whole list. Yeah. I, <laughs> I kind of went back and forth because, you know, we, we do our pre-show meetings and we talk and we're like, how are we going to start the show? And it's like, there, you are like the embodiment of what an artist is just through and through and using it in every way possible to express, to to help people to grow and to heal. Um, So I think the best place for us to start with you, because there's just so much here to unpack, is how did you kind of get started in art? Like, When did you realize that this was your calling and your passion? Well, I feel a little bit, speaking of luck, I feel a little bit lucky in that um, when I was little, I was drawn to it right off the bat. As soon as I could hold a pencil, I was like looking around and observing and always trying to capture what was around me. I remember being in restaurants and flipping that placemat over and sketching and also lucky that my parents were super, super supportive. They saw that in me and they were just like, let's nurture this. Let's help her get to where she wants to go. I think that's such a huge thing in life is you got to have a support team. You got to have people behind you. Um, definitely would not be doing all these things if I didn't have that. I come from a pretty awesome family, so I'm lucky in that and have amazing friends that also help support me and promote me and all the good things. So yeah, I was really young. I was really young when I realized I loved art and whenever people asked me what the, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always just said artist. I always oh, just, wow. and some people just, I don't know, like I meet adults that still don't know what they want to do in their life. Yeah, right. It's not a bad thing at all. I feel like I just, it was so ingrained in me from such a young age that there was never a question that I would do anything else. So yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. What, what would you tell um, an adult who says they don't know what they want to do? Mm, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think I would tell them to think about what they're curious about. Oh. Think about what makes them happy and just to know that there's a place in the world for them for whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. If they want to pick car colors, there's a job for that. Mm-hmm. If they want to rake leaves, there's a job for that too. Yeah. I think a lot so of now, times. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, did you, um, once your parents realized that that's, you know, something that you were good at or that you were passionate about, did you have um, lessons or was it, did it just come natural to you? Um, Both. Um, My mom would say that I would draw things and it would actually look like (laughs) what I was supposed to look like, not like a little kid drawing all the time. So I think they saw some talent early on, but um, I did take lessons and I took all the art classes I possibly could. But um, whatever, I had a substitute teacher once when I was in like, I think I was in first grade and she was sketching on a break and she was such a good drawer. I was like, I want to take lessons with you. So my mom oh. signed me up and Saturday mornings, I missed my cartoons and went and drew instead. <laughs> oh, wow. Drawing the cartoons. Dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a cartoonist, but I can't. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> when, did you, when did you get into music? Um, music was kind of the same. So my dad is an artist, and my mom is a musician. So both of really? them was already around. Yep. <laughs> so um, there's pictures of me when I was really little. As soon as I could reach the keys, I was hitting the. Piano <laughs> keys. I was playing guitar when I was nine, and piano when I was really little, and. I think just always trying to piece sounds together to see what goes together. And I was in band um, for five years, but I never really got that great at reading music. I play by ear. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tried to take music lessons. My mom's a music teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> so much to her disappointment, I did not learn to read music that well. She tried to teach me, but yeah, it kind of slowed me down. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing my thing and not mm-hmm. you know, shit. Do you have siblings? I do. Yeah. Are, have- are they also creative in some way? <laughs> I think they are, but they would say that they're not. So, <laughs> no, I just wondered how much of this was nurture over nature. Yeah. Did I think you- my, my brother, I have one brother who's um, also a musician. He would like scoff at me saying that, but um, he plays banjo and guitar. And then, um, yeah, I think my other siblings are, they're just, they get their creativity out in other ways, but yeah. So let me ask you this. When you graduated high school and you were going to college and people said, what are you going to be? Or what are you going to school for? You said art. I'm going to be an artist. Um, did you, what kind of um, reaction did you get? from mm. uh, A lot of people were like, you can't make a living at that. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean? Like, that's just a hobby. And I just, I don't, I just stuck to my guns. I was like, no, I can make this work. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I, I, by that point I had discovered art therapy already. Just, I wanted to, I originally thought I was going to do music therapy, but, um, in my, in that search, I realized you have to read music really well and no theory and all that. I kind of steered from there, but I discovered art therapy when I was researching and it was like one of those light bulb moments where I was like, okay, I love to help people. I love to make art. People are just fascinating to me anyway. So realizing that there's a career like that, it just kind of clicked. So I think when, at that point when I was graduating, I was already saying I was going to be an art therapist. Oh, wow. So do you think, oh, Go ahead. No, no, Um, go ahead. Tell us about art therapy and and what exactly it means to be an art therapist and how it helps your clients. So it's an alternative to talk therapy. Um, It's it's different than what like a psychotherapy session would look like. When people go on to get counseling, a lot of times they're just, you know, sitting in front of someone and talking. But in an art therapy session, I cater the session 
to them, depending on their specific goals, using art media. So um, sometimes I'll bring clay in, sometimes we'll use painting, drawing, sculpture, and it all ties back to what their specific goal is or what they're trying to get through in life. Um, so Mariner's Inn, where I work, one of the places where I work, it's um, a treatment center for men who are dealing with addiction and homelessness. So the needs of that population are going to look different to needs of another population. So I, I just try to meet people where they are as far as their goals and whatnot. But but it's really fascinating. You can tell so much about someone by the way they use art materials and by what they create. So an art therapy session is about moving through that creative process. It's not about like learning how to do a specific skill. It's not an art class. It's about the creative process, the resulting artwork and seeing what, you know, they learn about themselves through that process. And then we can discuss it afterwards. And it's, it's pretty mind blowing what, you know, how much people wow. learn about themselves. And Carrie Ann, do you have that. a, cl- do you have a client that, or have you had clients that say, mm, no, not so much, you know, like I'm not good at this. Like they have to overcome that initial obstacle of, of, you know, creating yeah. or expressing or taking that, you know, that jump into act, that medium that they may not be comfortable with. Yeah. Oh, before, before, you, before you answer, I want to piggyback on what Gina said, because you were saying that you use clay and you, or you use, um, you know, pain or whatever. So how do you know what to use for each person? How, you know, how do you come up with that? Like, I'm going to use uh, clay this time, or I'm going to do paint. A lot of it comes from knowing the mediums a lot myself, but a lot of it, honestly, I just lead into my intuition mm-hmm. um, and just, and a lot, and, you know, I have a master's degree in it. It's, it's, so I have a bachelor's in fine arts, but then a master's in art therapy. So it's a lot of schooling. And I think a lot of people think I'm just like the arts and crafts lady, but yeah. <laughs> goes into it. So I kind of like lead into my schooling, um, seeing where people are resistant depending on their personality and what medium will kind of push them just enough mm. to get them into a flow state and uh, get them into like a meditative place. Wow. That's okay. really cool. Now is yeah. that type of therapy in place of traditional therapy? Um, they get a, I know at Mariners and they get both. So each person is assigned a therapist. They have to come to art therapy and they have other didactics. So I don't ever, you know, want to take the place of another healing modality. I think it's a great addition. Um, I think it just depends on each person. You know, for me, like I've I've been in therapy for so long. And for me, I think making something and having a mechanism to physically move me from one place to another and having something physical in front of me helps me a lot more than just talking. Mm-hmm. So I like if I feel like that, I'm sure lots of people feel like that, too. Um, but there are definitely are those people who are like, I'm not an artist. And I'm like, good, that's even better. Because I think when you're trained as an artist, you get caught up in the aesthetics of what you're trying to make. You feel like it has to look a certain way. But if someone doesn't have any classical art training at all, it's really raw and vulnerable. And it's going to come from a really deep place that doesn't have any training. So I always encourage people. I'm like, everyone is creative and an artist and it's just whether or not you're willing to tap into that part of yourself to learn more about who you are. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So between that and music, 
because you've been doing music at the same time. Then you started working at the Forge. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. So the Forge um, is an artist residency. Um, I lived there from 2017 to th- 2018. So I found that, and I, I kind of realized this in art school, that being surrounded by artists is really helpful for your own momentum. So um, I've, and I did the Red Bull House of Arts years ago and kind of found the same thing that like, it's really powerful for your own practice to be surrounded with people who are going to push you and who are going to challenge you. So it's important for me to live in an artist residency and see that. Um, then my friends put the house up for sale. My sister fell in love with the project. So she bought the house and now we mm. kind of tag team and run it together. Oh, wow. so, oh nice. It's really That's fun. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so from there, you co-founded another business, right? Mm-hmm. The, what is it? The solstice? Yeah. Solstice Healing Art. So what exactly is that? So um, it, it's encompassed by me and three other art therapists. And uh, we run individual and group therapy out of a little adorable art studio in Bloomfield Hills. And lately, I mean, since COVID, we've done a lot of stuff virtual, which has been a, you know, a beautiful tool to connect with people. Um, But yeah, we're just, we're artists that came together that wanted to give people an opportunity to try art therapy who aren't in treatment. And we Mm. kind of say, you know, a lot of people who might be in treatment are working on something specific or have gone through something really hard, but everybody needs, everybody needs to have this outlet of some kind. So we're kind of like, it's wellness for well people. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, especially right now with like the stresses mm-hmm. of the world. And I think people are really realizing like they have to have an outlet to express themselves. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so we're uh, art therapists that work together. So we'll do groups, we'll co facilitate things, but um, we'll do things on our own as well. And I've kind of realized since COVID too that like, I want to create even more content for people to use. So I'm developing courses that people can purchase and they can do in the comfort of their home. So it'd be kind of like, remember how people would watch Bob Ross and there's just this like magic to watch someone (laughs) paint. I'm kind of like taking that and I'll be making art alongside of people, but talking about therapeutic practices while I paint, draw. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So Great idea. Yeah, so that's in the works. You know what? I I can another job. Another job. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you from my own experience. So Carrie Ann, I was a classroom teacher for 30 years. And I also have I have an I actually have an art degree. So I used art a lot in my classroom. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that the kids always enjoyed the most was like drawing and, and I am not a good drawer, but I know how to like look at shapes and look at things or find resources, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But I will tell you from my own experience that kids who are having a hard time, you give them that freedom to express themselves mm-hmm. and they they can create a world mm-hmm. that is so amazing and that brings out that difficulty or brings out that, that, that special piece of them. Talk about how you see some of these changes in your own patients mm-hmm. as you're giving them the opportunity to express. Like, what do you notice? Well, I think when a lot of people come in, especially because I work primarily now with all men, a lot of them don't, you know, I mean, we're all women. And so we 
are used to moving through the world as a woman and we have this sense of community and we're allowed to express ourselves. But that population oftentimes feel like they have to not show emotion. They're not able to cry. They're not able to express themselves. So um, finding mediums for them to work through, like I have a pretty great leather um, workshop in the art room. So if they can, if I can get them in the door by like making a belt or by working with leather or wallet or something that has function, then they realize that they're, they are making art. They're just doing it in a way that they can use. So, and it's really interesting because a lot of those clients um, had one teacher who like are resistant to making art, had one teacher who said they couldn't do it or one person in their life mm-hmm. like can't draw. So mm-hmm. then they defined that whole time after by yeah. what that one yeah. person said, like, oh, well, I'm not an artist. This one person at one point when I was six said that I'm not an artist. So I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I'm we like, do that in life. We, in we life, all do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, like, I just, I love those moments when people, for one, realize that they can do it. And they also start something, they finish something and they get this light bulb moment. And they're just so proud of what they've mm-hmm. done. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, there's nothing like yeah. it. Wow. So, so really, it, it's not about what they're creating. It's mm-hmm. about teaching them the process or having them discover that they can do the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? Sure. Yeah. I tell them, I'm like, if you finish making something and then it feels good to you to throw it in the trash, throw it in the trash. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we make things that aren't pretty, you know, that we don't want to keep, that we don't want to remember. It's about getting things that are in your head out into the world. So they're not in your head anymore. You can look mm. at the distance and you can look at it in a therapeutic relationship with someone that you trust and that, you know, you discuss it and then it's out of you. It's not stuck in there anymore. How and I think does a session usually last for somebody. Um, at work, we, we work about an hour, but cause sweet spot for me is about 90 minutes because okay. um, then they have to, we have time to set up. We have time to kind of get into a flow, get into a flow state, which is like when you lose track of time, you kind of lose track of what you're doing. And it has the same effect on the brain as meditation. So once you get into that, then we kind of move out of it. And then we discuss what they've made. It's about 90 minutes. Sometimes it goes longer, but it's about what it is. And yeah. so from there, you now partnered with uh, a musician from Detroit mm-hmm. and uh, Greater Alexander. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And you guys purchased a, a house in Detroit and you're starting another business, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> another business. <laughs> Carrie Ann, you're, you're really making us look like we don't. <laughs> um, you guys are running a podcast. That's a lot of work. That's like five jobs in itself. <laughs> so tell us about it. So yeah, um, my partner, Alexander, uh, is a musician and um, we kind of had similar goals. Like we met and we both had been involved with art residencies ourselves. He's part of Assemble Sound in Detroit. And um, I think it was important for both of us to create a safe space for artists to come and create. And we're kind of at that same point in our lives where we are substance free and we realize that it's quite hard to work in an area where people, some people are sober, some people are not. And we're like, well, what if we just create a space where that's just not 
it's just removed from the equation. And I think a lot of artists in general, and especially in Detroit, are struggling with substance use. And now I work, you know, in that field. So it's all kind of coming full circle. So yeah, we're creating, um, um, it's called Greater Impact House. It's in Detroit. And it's geared toward artists who are career driven. So it could be visual artists, musicians, mm-hmm. uh, multimedia artists. And it's geared towards them who are want to sort of raise their own awareness of their mental health, physical health, and we'll be there to support them. So long-term, long-term goal is that we'll finish renovating the house. We'll be there full time. And then we'll have artists rent day space or live there with us for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So where where is that? It's right. It's like grand and grand. So it's down the street from Motown museum. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, part of Detroit that has so much history. The street Mm -hmm. itself is pretty desolate. I think there's only on our block, like two other houses that are alive. Other ones have been demoed this last couple months and the other ones are, you know, need to come down or be bought. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a part. Um, He found this house off auction. So it's a triplex. It's massive. It's really big. Mm. And he got the house for five grand. <laughs> wow. So it, it needs wow. it needs some love, but the bones of the house are really good and we're excited mm-hmm. to renovate it and like, you know, make it our own and be creative about how we put things together. So he kind of picked the area just by he he spent two years looking at different areas, looking at different houses on auction. And we have a friend who's a realtor and she does this. She buys houses off auction auction for cheap flips them and then creates affordable living for people to come and move. Oh, nice. So now do you, do you have a timeline of when you think it's going to be ready? Yeah, we have, we're right in the middle of fundraising. So we're trying to fundraise all of the money to fix up the house. Um, So hopefully in the next um, three months, we can get enough money to fix the roof. That's the big thing. It's like, you can't do anything with the house until the roof is done. (laughs) So, Hopefully we'll um, get that crowdfunded and all that's on. If you go to greaterimpacthouse.com, you can select, you know, a place to tour the house. We have an exhibition up right now oh, and nice. a place to support. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by the end of, you know, this summer we'll have the roof done. And I feel like we'll just be demoing and doing a lot of stuff. And we hope by next year we'll actually be living in it and chipping away at certain things. And then, you know, by that time next year, hopefully we can start using it for day space as well. And artists are already using it. Like we're renting out the grand piano that's in there that got donated to the house. People are using it for photography, film projects. Oh, we wow. Make art there ourselves. That's where I'm recording that most of the, the album right now. Mm-hmm. So the, the house, even though it's pretty like disheveled in some mm-hmm. sense, it's still very mm-hmm. activated and it's really inspiring to see like, a hundred years worth of wallpaper peeling newspaper under Mm -hmm. linoleum from the fifties. I I love (laughs) stuff like that. So I just, I think it's so inspiring and we're going to try to keep that, you know, authenticity of the house through the, we don't want to just make it all new and modern. We want to hold on to the history and the families that were there. Is the business, is that going to be a nonprofit or. So we're, we're fiscally sponsored by a nonprofit by Fractured Atlas. So they help artists 
organizations have nonprofit status without going through all the paperwork. So, so that's a really good resource for us. So anybody that donates to the house can write it off on their taxes, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also at some point would like to create, just be part of a nonprofit in the house. We want to create a room called the sunflower room where it can be a place for whatever anyone's dealing with. No questions asked. They'll have a place to sleep. So kind of like dealing with, you know, people, if it's homelessness or substance use disorder, like whatever it is, if you just need a place to crash and people to be around and like a fresh meal, we'll have a room for you. So that's kind of later down the line, but at some point we'll have that. You called it the sunflower room. Does that have, does the sunflower have a semblance or is that just a name you picked? Yeah. So Alexander's um, sister passed away a little over a year ago um, by suicide and she loved sunflowers. And so it's kind of dedicated to her. It's like offering something to the community that can just be a support system for people who don't, you know, have it. And like I said earlier, I'm blessed with a family that's really supportive. And I feel like because I grew up with that, I just want to dedicate my life to people who don't have that. So giving it back. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) When did did you go from artist to entrepreneur? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like as Mm -hmm. artists, we're always kind of hustlers. (laughs) We got to do a billion things at once. Um, I think I realized I wanted to own my own business though, when I was in grad school and talking with other art therapists and who ended up being the people, you know, I started solstice with, which is kind of cool. Um, but I kind of realized that I, I want to be able to work for myself and, you know, spend my time the way I'd like to spend my time and offer things that I want. So what's amazing is that it's not like you're doing all these businesses online. You're actually buying brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty risky. Um, Yeah especially to have so many of them going on. I mean, you don't usually hear about people that are artists going out and, well, I'm going to buy this building, start this, <laughs> right? renovate that. Um, is there no fear of failure? Do you ever worry about, like, what if it doesn't work out? These are, you know, all those investments add up? Yeah. I Well, I feel like I have a interesting view on failure and maybe it's naive on my part, but I don't ever really feel like we're failing at anything. It's like if we try and it doesn't work, it's just how it is. And then we reevaluate, reconfigure and try a different way. Try something else. Yeah. You're always going to learn something from that failure, that failure. So really it's just having to um, switch gears. So that's kind of how I see it. Maybe I'm being too gentle with myself. It could completely oh. <laughs> develop that mentality though right. so many people are afraid to try right yeah yep I, I, I honestly don't know I had such horrible anxiety when I was a kid like I would have panic attacks the night before school started every year up till wow. high school and I think <laughs> I just got to the point where I'm like what am I so scared of like when and when you realize like people don't really care that much about you. <laughs> right. It's like all this pressure is off your shoulders. You're like, oh, well, I can just mm-hmm. create and manifest the life that I want. No one really cares. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. What kind of fundraisers uh, or do you have fundraisers planned for the Greater Impact House? To help raise money? Yeah. So right now we have 
um, a Kickstarter going. Um, so if you go to that website, thegreaterimpacthouse.com, and you can actually watch um, the video. We've had a couple of filmmakers come in and help us create um, Kickstarter videos and stuff. So you can watch the interview with Alexander and they made these beautiful films. So that's up. You can watch that to learn more about the project. And then if you support the campaign, there's a button, like a, like how you can help button that you can click mm-hmm. there. And we're actually doing a talk on the 28th. So in a little over a week where we have um, some Wayne state students who have put together a presentation for us um, for their senior thesis project, their business. Oh, cool. Yeah. They're um, music business students. And so they've picked us to kind of be their catalyst and uh, we were inviting a bunch of people to come in and just learn more about the house, ask us questions, watch our presentation. So I think just people support by, you know, obviously monetary, really important, unfortunately, to get everything going. Um, but just visiting the house and getting to know the neighborhood and us and um, the project that's going, the, the exhibition that's up right now is really cool. So Alexander has been working on an album for 10 years. And he's created shadow boxes um, for each song that he's made. So the liner notes are one shadow box per song. So when you walk in, you scan a QR code, you get headphones, and an app comes up where you can listen to each each segment of the song and his commentary for each shadow box. So it's kind of like a treasure hunt through the house. You oh, wow. On the floor, <laughs> and then you wind to the attic. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. So, oh. He had this idea, like even before he had the house, we're like, well, maybe we'll do it at a gallery and, you know, each piece can have a headphones, but this is so much more immersive mm-hmm. because you're in this old, beautiful house alone yeah. with headphones and wandering around. And it's yeah. really fun. Actually, and the, the art is just mind blowing. So that is really cool. yeah. Well, you also are recording an album, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell tell us about the album. Um, well, there's songs I've been working on, probably the same, about ten years or maybe more. Um, and I'm really trying to like get to the point of you know thinking, and I'm sure like Rocky, you can think of this too, of like what concisely is going to go together on an album. So mm-hmm. I've got tons of songs and now it's, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, what exactly do I want to put out into the world musically? You know, what do, what message do I want to put forward? There's some songs that I wrote that were pretty like angsty <laughs> before. And I'm like, do I want to send that out at this point? I don't know. So yeah, Alexander's helping me record it and layering it with me. And, you know, it's, it's that, that part to me is just gives me something that making physical art can't do it just taps into such a deep mm-hmm. part of me it's so cathartic so so you you've written all your songs have you written all, yeah. all of this wow is this the first so, time you recorded and put out an album or single? yeah i kind of dabbled in it when i was in high school but i would never show anyone what I actually recorded them so embarrassed about it. but the oh. first like, professional one yeah <laughs> what is um like what how would you describe the genre and describe the music I'd say it's like indie folk. Yeah. Kind of a little bluesy. Um, You know, I think being in Detroit for so long now, I feel like Motown is in my blood, I guess, in a sense. It's just all around me and I love it so much. So I get really inspired by those old classic singers and I catch myself, you know, 
kind of like emulating that with my own voice a little bit with just that deep soul. Like my, I sing for my clients a lot. That's become a big part of my art therapy sessions. So, um, they always tell me like, Miss Karen, you got some soul. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's fun. Is that is songwriting and music your therapy, your form of? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's so personal. Yeah. With everything you do, um, it's all, it's all obviously thrown into this fabric of helping people. It's like yeah. when do you get to just fill your back up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think art, I mean, make writing music is a big, big part of that. Like if I've ever going through something in life, I'm not quite understanding or I'm like confused about it always kind of comes out in a song and it helps me process what I'm going through. And sometimes it's like years later and I'll re-listen to it or revisit it. I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense that I would write about that Mm -hmm. at that specific time and art making similar. Sometimes we'll paint things that we don't quite understand. And then years Mm -hmm. go by and we look back and we're like, Oh, well (laughs) now I, now I know. So I ask this question all the time. Do you wake up out of your sleep with a song in your head? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'll dream music. Uh-huh. Um, all the time, but but I would say either I either dream about a song or dream about an art piece or something. Oh wow! That's the yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that makes yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. That's a good question. Um. Well, I think. The beauty of being an artist is that you are creating things that live past you. So I kind of like that idea of like having this physical record of my life through the art I create and, and eventually the music. So like that'll live beyond me, but I I just want to make the world a little bit better as cliche as that sounds like there's a lot of people that need support and help and just to feel better in their own skin. And I'm like, and if I can just do that a little you know, help them. I feel like that's, that's all I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it's, it sounds yeah. like that whole mission is going to live way past yeah. you. Not just, the so. earth, but um, just everything you're doing mm-hmm. to make a difference. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, if that's why it's so seems like it's easy for you to just go start a business as you have such a bigger purpose. mission or purpose mm-hmm. than, yeah you know, opening a business and trying to make a buck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I was, you know, I I tell Alexander, I'm like, it's already working. People are already reaching out to us. Even if we're not living in the house yet, it's already created this like little community of people reaching out and seeing what they can do to help. So, yeah, I think, and, and again, that goes back to that, you know, view of of failure. It's not really a failure. It's you just trying something. I think Mm -hmm. I have a hard time sitting still as well. (laughs) So like if I'm not working on something then I'm like, okay, what can I be doing? So when do you think the album will be done? I'm hoping it'll be done in a year. We're kind of like have this timeline of like um, a song every month recording it and then um, putting it out. So I'll probably and I'm I'm so like new at knowing how to like put an album together, but I'll probably just release things as singles, mm-hmm. and um and then kind of have like an album release show if we're able to have that at that point. But mm-hmm. that would be fun. yeah, that would be so yeah. 
I, mean, I see, I see there's going to be greater impact houses in every city. Yeah. Like there's going to be yeah. House Chicago. And, and, and I, I love the name. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you guys have a, like a Facebook page for greater impact? Yeah. Yep. There's a Facebook page. Facebook I have some Instagram. I have some websites here too. Okay. Um, it's, so it's uh, greaterimpacthouse.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the solstice healing, healing arts collective.com. Yep. And, uh, the forge Detroit.com. Yep. Those and then the- if you want to see my wow. artwork too, I'm like, that's so funny. I didn't send that to you. If you want to see my own artwork, you can go to visgrayandspensana.com. and see, it's like a setup as a portfolio. So you can see oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. Now, do you sell your work? What did you say? Do you sell your art? I do. Yeah. I show at a gallery called M Contemporary in Ferndale. So I'm lucky that I have a gallerist and she'll help me, you know, move my work. But um, a lot of times it'll just, you know, I'll do a commission or someone will see something that they like. Instagram has been great for that. It's been really helpful. So. Oh, wow. I did have her Instagram on our Instagram Mm -hmm. as well and my own. So. Yeah. Yeah. Marianne, do you do custom? Art? I do. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you don't do or with art? Well, you know what's so funny is I don't like as far as like cartoons or caricature, like that's sort of not in my you know realm of expertise. Or like people always want me to design tattoos, which I'm oh. happy to try, but I feel like it's so much pressure. I'm like I've said <laughs> that before, and I will do it, but no guarantees that it's going to be 100 percent what you want. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, any possibility that you guys will do like um some type of music fundraiser for the greater impact house like yeah for sure or anything like that anything we were talking like that? about that like when it warms up we just kind of want to set up do a concert um on our porch and face the street and have people like wander in and wander out and also like oh good idea to the neighbors you know whoever's mm-hmm. walking by um and we've done concerts in the house already. Just COVID has just really put a damper on how many people we can get in. So mm-hmm. that way, like if it's outside, then we could probably gather some more people. Have you um, mingled or networked with the people at Motown at Pittsville? Not yet. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I've actually God. haven't been there yet. We're I think gonna try to go. I know. I knew you were gonna make that. Fight. <laughs> uh, she does it all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> I've never been either, and no, I lived right down the street. Go. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. That's a great yeah. place. But from what I understand, they bought back the homes that they originally had next That's to the cool. home. Is that true? Did you hear that? Yeah, and they're putting like millions of dollars into renovations right now, which is cool. That's exciting mm. for you guys. Yeah, no, yeah, that, awesome. that area is definitely making a huge comeback. Yeah. Well, you know, it, not to shift gears here, but if anybody watched the Grammys, did you guys see Bruno Mars? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Was that the Temptations or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You didn't see it. Oh, you got to go oh, on. So good. There are new projects. Yeah, I'll go online. I'll go online. So anyway, Kieran, what else um, would you want people to know? How can they help? 
Um, well, you can just always, I'm always here if anybody wants help themselves or, you know, just to chat, just reach out on Instagram or Facebook or just email me. Um, my email's easy. It's just a dot between each name at Gmail. Um, and yeah, just keep in touch with us. Keep in touch with what we're doing. View our art, support our artists and yeah, just here for you guys. What uh, would you say to aspiring artists? So somebody who wants to do this as a career, um, you know, wants to follow that path. What advice would you have for them? Well, I would tell them to do it and to find what makes them happy and just work at that. And I think I had a teacher in, in um, art school who was like, if you guys just work and make good work, keep doing, people will notice. It's really that simple. And I'm like, it kind of is because I feel like I, I lean on that a lot and it, it works. So just keep making stuff, you know, even if you don't feel like painting that day or whatever your medium is, like just find something creative to do with your hands to move you to the next step. And I also think finding a mentor to help you through it is also really beneficial. Like anything, like having a coach. Mm-hmm. Right. It's good. Awesome. Wow, this was great. I know. Yeah. You know, when you guys get going too, and you start uh, organizing events and stuff like that, let us know so we can help promote it. Uh, because I think what you guys are doing is just amazing. It is. You can touch with us. Let us know about the album too, because we'd like to have you back. Yeah. Maybe we have you do a live performance. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some amazing things about your voice. Yes. Um, A good friend of ours who said she has an amazing bluesy. Yeah, all the best to you guys, though. And thank yeah. you so much for, um, you know, everything you're doing and for sharing the story. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for asking me to be on here. This is so fun. I was I was posted on Facebook about this and I was like, it really kind of I realized I'm like I've been wanting to do a podcast for so long I don't like, someday it'll happen someday it'll happen and then all of a sudden just it manifests so you put it out in the universe yeah and here we are I appreciate well, you let us know if you want to start a podcast too why not yeah, yeah. <laughs> do yeah. Oh, one more job one more job yeah. Yeah. you know you have enough going on Carrie Ann yeah. <laughs> I'll delegate. I'll just pop in and say hi once in a while. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thank you so much, Carrie Yeah, thank you so much. And by the way, we do have the link up for the, um, is it a GoFundMe or Kickstarter? Uh, we did have that posted. So please check it out and help help these guys renovate and get this place moving because um, they're making a big difference Yeah, mm-hmm. in our area. Yep. So definitely needed cookie for St. Patrick's Day today. Yeah, yeah. Patrick's Day. I get to work from home today. <laughs> so. Oh, that's nice. Oh, Gina. So Gina, can you hear us? Oh. Gina? I can. What'd you say? Oh, I said. <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, I said, do we have a great out. fortune cookie for St. Patty's Day? You know what? Yes, we do. And I ha- I've been waiting because I forgot to grab it. So I have to step off for a second. I'm okay. like, I don't want them to think like, I'm out of here. So wait one second. Talk, so- talk amongst yourselves. And while I before I leave to step over there to get it, know this about leprechauns. There are no women leprechauns. All leprechauns. <gasps> 
Our oh, men. Sex, sexist, what? sexist. Wow. I, I think I'm, a pa- I'm appalled. I'm appalled. I really am. <laughs> well, is it because are, that are, are the women the fairies? Like, is that green? Is, green is not our color. Green is not our color. And those shoes. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I was going to say. So leprechauns typically are cobblers and they're making shoes. So they're hiding the goals from the, sh- you know, legend has it. Who knows who's ever met one? Leprechauns are the, the, you know, they're making the shoes. So, you know, in that industry, that tends to be a man's job. Let's leave it at that. They make them, I'll wear them. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not wearing no leprechaun shoes. No. Nope. I didn't say leprechaun made shoes. That's I don't care if they have heels on them or not. I don't care. All right. Here we go. Our oh. fortune for the day. Yes, I do have a green cookie. Oh, it's stuck in here. It says a gambler not only will lose what he has, but he will also lose what he doesn't have. <laughs> I feel okay. Like okay. Oh, okay. Don't drink too much. Fitty. <laughs> <laughs> that's fitty. Listen, you got to find a way to make the fortune. I just, listen, I just picked the, the cookies out of the bin. You got to find uh-huh. a way to make the fortune work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, teacher. Yes, teacher. All right. And remember, sometimes the only mode of transportation available is the leap of faith. Thanks for taking the leap of faith. Have a wonderful, beautiful day. It's sunny and And happy St. Patty Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. St. Patty's Day. Happy hump day. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Carrie. Thank Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. It was nice to meet you.